From Madison, Wisconsin, World Dairy Expo presents The Dairy Show, the digital meeting place of the global dairy industry, where we sit down to talk cows, cutting edge technology, and the colored shavings. Welcome to The Dairy Show. I am your host, Lisa Benke. Today is the third installation in our four-part series celebrating the founding fathers of World Dairy Expo. We recently talked with Steve Nelson, son of Gene Nelson. We also talked with Norm Magnuson, whose father was instrumental in getting the show off the ground. Today's guests are Rodney and Roy Hetz, sons of the late Alan Hetz. And I think that we can all agree that though there were four founding fathers of World Dairy Expo, it was Alan Hetz who had the notion that we need a show. He had the idea and he assembled a cast of characters that made it so. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce to you today our guests, Rodney and Roy Hetz. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So Rodney and Roy, let's get started with, I guess, a question that I've posed to the other families of the Founding Fathers. We want to get to know your dad a little bit better. He was so instrumental in getting World Dairy Expo started. What is a word that you would use to describe your father? We discussed this before we hooked up with you today. We both came up with the same word, driven. Yeah, dad was a driver. I never imagined a way to, to express that. He loved showing cattle. He had his ideas. He was certain that he was right. And that's where he began. He judged the, the Waterloo show the last year that it was a national Holstein show. And it was at that show that most people became aware that Waterloo was no longer going to be the same show that it used to be. They were going more towards a horse show and uh, they were letting go. When dad found that out, he set out on a mission to replace that show with one at Madison, Wisconsin. And it was a mission. He he had a, a goal in mind and he surrounded himself with people that would make that goal a reality. A lot of people have made mention of that. There are a lot of great ideas posed on any given day of the week or the year, but your dad made sure that it became a reality. Can we back up time a little bit and, and get to know where did your dad come from? Can you tell us about his earliest start in the dairy business? He was the third generation of Hatz's to be involved with Crescent Beauty Farm. His father, whose name was Roy Hatz, passed away at the age of 47. Alan was 18 years old, so he got started very quickly. So he assumed responsibility for the farm at 18 years of age. And I know other sons and daughters of the founding fathers have used other words to describe their, their parents, committed, um, respected. Those are words, too, in addition to driven that I would pin on your dad. He got started then. He's a third generation owner of Crescent Beauty Farms. Describe what the herd looked like when your dad took over at 18 years of age. Crescent Beauty did not originate on our farm. Actually, Crescent Beauty, the first animal named Crescent Beauty, was registered in 1896 in the herd of George Hart of Manistee, Michigan. My great-grandfather, George Hatz, traveled to southwestern Michigan and bought four animals from I.M. Shoreman, his name was, one of those four animals was Crescent Beauty Buttermaid. She would be grand champion at the National Holstein Show in 1913. George started it. His two sons, John and Roy, continued it. When my father was very young, Roy and John split. And Roy continued to breed in the Crescent Beauty line. John traveled to Plymouth, Wisconsin, and bought the first animal there in a herd. The last name was Tittle. Amos Tittle, Emma Tittle, I think it was. And that's the same herd that Dave Bachman 
bought his first registered animal in. And so Roy and John went their separate ways. When dad came along, he was very much respectful to John. Dad blended the Crescent Beauties and the Admirals of John Hicks together. And he used both of those bloodlines as he continued as a young man. Bloodlines is a good word to use. Crescent Beauty was all about genetic improvement and your family has, that's all in your DNA as well. I did have a question. So Gene Akers, Felicia May Fury is a cow very familiar to me. My first trip to World Dairy Expo as a child, we stopped at your show string. My dad specifically wanted to see that cow and your family stepping off the pages of the magazines that we had at home on our kitchen table. How did Gene Akers, Felicia May Fury come to be standing in the barn at Fort Atkinson? Ray Potter was the herdsman for Gene Akers Farm. Gene Akers Farm was an investment herd. The first owner was Paul Wixom. And Gene Akers, Felicia May Fury was born in 1966 while Paul Wixom uh, was, was the owner. Paul Wixom sold the herd to Jerry Mulder, who was another businessman. I believe he, his business was making guitar reverbs. Ray Potter continued to manage the herd. And Ray Potter was a tremendous Holstein breeder. A lot of people don't recognize that. But as a young man showing cattle, Ray became disenchanted with showing cattle. The politics, he got very nervous the day before the show. And dad had sold bulls to Gene Akers. That's how they were introduced to one another. So they knew each other that way. Because dad was recognized as a top showman and fitter, he won the Klusendorf in 1970. Ray knew that Gene Akers' Felicia Fury needed to be showed. And he knew that dad would get her to the right shows and give her the best chance to win. Dad took her to the Royal Winter Fair twice. She was third twice. But still, that grew her legend because people north of the border appreciated her, too. She became uh, a member of our herd because of Alan Hetz's skills. Felicia May had a storied history, that's for certain. And Rodney, there was an interesting story told about the cow by way of Doc Allenstein and the Hordes Dairyman. Can you recount that story for us? It was a cold fall day, early in the morning. Roy happened to be gone, and the Japanese trainee and I walked into the barn and threw on the lights, and Felicia May was in her normal, original box stall that she only occupied until she'd passed away. Going down behind the cows, I looked, and we had some barn cats, and it was not uncommon for cats to curl up next to the cow in the morning and get the cows get up. But it was a very funny marked barn cat. And I got a closer look, and lo and behold, it's a skunk curled up behind. And luckily, we kept at the time a 22 shotgun in the office underneath the sofa, just so we had something just in case of something like this or whatever you might have. I got the Japanese trainee. They opened the box stall door, and we got her up moving. And that's when the skunk kind of awakened, and she was walking out, and the skunk rolled at her and bit her in the back of the foot. And I don't know if she got bit in the duplaw or in the in the ankle. I shot the skunk, luckiest shot in my life. I hit it in the head, and that's not what you're supposed to do when you shoot a rabid animal because they can't test it for rabies. And then immediately called Dr. Allenstein and got him out there right away, and the rest is history, and Dr. Allenstein took it from there. But it was quite an interesting morning for me and the Japanese training, that's for sure. Roy just made mention that she was born in 1966, and I believe you said she died in 84. That makes her an 18-year-old cow when she died. Despite having gone through a series of rabies shots, that cow had amazing longevity. Yes, she did. As the story goes, I believe your mother was alarmed that morning. Tell us a little bit about your mom, Doris Hetz. She's kind of an unsung hero in this whole story, I believe. Mom facilitated everything 
that Alan Hatch did. She typed pedigrees. She did all the correspondence. People came to the farm, business people, and she fed them. She was very, very hardworking lady. She was responsible for a lot of the success that uh, happened at our farm. How did your parents meet? They were high school sweethearts. Mom's name was Doris Treloff. Treloff Farm is one of the best farms in Jefferson County. It still is. Bill Erke actually owns it now. It was a top dairy farm. They had registered cows. It was quite a family of people. When you put two powerhouse people together like that, you have to admit they were a very dynamic duo. They in turn had children. Tell us, Rodney and Roy, about you and your siblings growing up at Crescent Beauty. I'm obviously the baby of the family. It was a full house, uh, not a super big house. I was born in 1961, and there were actually two trainees present when I was born. They were already on the farm working there, and I've gotten to know them over the years. And all the trainees, we had 41 total over the years. We all grew up in 4-H. We all worked in the barn. We all had cabs. We all had trainees. We had either one trainee to four trainees, all in a small you know, four-bedroom home, and uh, it was quite an upbringing. It was a lot of work back in those days, and uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Given your parents' involvement, both of them, in the dairy industry, it was important that their children each play a role in the farm. Tell us a little bit about each of the children, each of the Hetz children, and the career paths that each of you chose. Randy's the oldest, first child, so she actually was in 4-H, and I remember the calf she showed in 1964 was Crescent Beauty Admiral Millie, and she was the All-American senior calf back then. She started showing right away, as we all did. Randy actually was married, I believe it was 1968, 66, I guess. She had two children, Amy and Jason, and she eventually married a owner of a construction company, Connery Construction. We sold out in 1988. In 1998, they started a building project there, and her husband, Tim Connery, built most of those buildings that are presently on the farm. Rhonda's the second in age. She also showed cattle right from the very beginning, and she's continued to be involved in the dairy business. Her first husband, Gary Linfit, was very much involved, and in Merch Shore was part of the Shore sales group up in Canada. So she's remained close to the dairy business as, as well in his own cattle, partnership cattle. Our other sister, Renee, she's between Rodney and myself. Renee was part owner of the Barber Cow that was grand champion, so is Rodney. Rodney and Renee both own part of the Barber Cow that was grand champion at the World Dairy Expo. Renee's a registered nurse. She had a really long, good career. She worked for an orthopedic surgeon. She has two children, they, as, as did Rhonda. Rhonda had two children. Rodney had two children. I have two children. Uh, everybody was involved. And to this day, Roy and Rodney, tell us a little bit about your professions. When my father passed away at 52, I was 22. I was in, had completed three years of college. So I came home to uh, work on the dairy farm for the next 16 years. After my father's death, my mother owned everything, the cows, the machinery, and the land. Rodney and I worked for a wage during those years. After 16 years, 1988, it was a 50-cow herd, and you can't support two families on 50 cows, not even one family, really. Uh, we needed to expand, and that was just not possible. There really was no future forward as far as dairy farming there. So Rodney and I both uh, had things we wanted to do. I, I began working as a classifier for the Holstein Association and, and Rod went into the sales business. And specifically export. Rodney, could you talk a little bit about your segue into the export business and, and what all of that entailed? There's so much legal knowledge that you have to have to be effective in that role. Tell us about how you got into the export business. Well, being the Crescent Beauty Farms, you always had to uh, people coming in the driveway to buy cattle. When, I, when we were, when Roy and I were farming together, a good source of our income to keep the farm going was 
selling to people like Alvin Piper, David Bachman. Those people come in with different buyers from different countries. And that was a really good thing for us to have, keep going. And I always said to myself, I want to be that guy driving the fancy car when you know, I was really little. I said, I want to be Dave Bachman or Alvin Piper and have those buyers. And so it was kind of driven toward, into me that way. So then and, uh, right after we sold uh, the Dairy Herd in 88, I went, I started working with Shore Holsteins in Canada, buying cattle and then trying to develop the Mexico market with them down there. And uh, so I spent a lot of time in Mexico. We were exporting a lot of cattle down there. And I met Esteban Posada, a young man at the time, 18 years old, and he couldn't speak English. But his father and my father happened to know each, know each other. They met when my dad judged the Credible Show there in 1968, just after he judged the Royal. So I said to Esteban through a translator, I says, you want to go in the import-export business with me? Would you like to do that? And he says, yes, I would. But he says, give me three months. Come back here in the spring. I'll know English by then. Lo and behold, he did. He taught himself English in three months. And him and I have been partners back and forth ever since the store today. And now Esteban is the current president of the Mexican Hosting Association. He's, he has judged the world out uh, of Western National. He's been on the All-American Nomination Committee. He's judged quite a few shows internationally, uh, quite the cowman, and we've owned a lot of cattle together. Also in the Japan markets, which is my main main market is, it's through another guy that bought his, uh, Mr. Yoshikawa, back in the, his first animal he ever bought in Canada was through Merton Shore. And then his first U.S. animal purchase, he had purchased, I'm not too sure who, but it was a Crescent Beauty animal I was sold from him. When the embryo market opened up into Japan, and uh, like, I think it was like what, 1991, uh, they asked me to represent them here in the U.S. for all the U.S. embryo exports. And so ever since then, I've been working with uh, Mr. Yoshikawa's group, which is Chukachi AI and Chukachi Chikasan Bioki. And we do bovine embryos and okay. live cattle when the live cattle will open and do a lot of equipment, rubber mats, calf hutches, uh, calf pen systems, uh, veterinary supplies, what you name it, whatever they can sell, we get. we've been working there for almost 30 years. That's one thing that strikes me is when the show began back in 1967, your dad and the other gentleman that we talked about earlier, considered founders, they all had international connections. All of them had been exhibiting at state, local, and national shows internationally. Most of them had traveled to the Royal Winter Fair, but all of them also judged outside of the country. Where are some of the places that your father traveled to to judge cattle? He judged Corretro, as Rodney mentioned, the Royal Winter Fair. He judged the National Holstein Show at Waterloo. He judged the Eastern National at Harrisburg, uh, Eastern States. Out of the country, he judged a lot of shows in Mexico, Central America, and South America. He went to uh, Japan seven different times, and I'm not sure if he judged shows there or not, but uh, he had a lot of involvement in, in Japan. As you made mention at the start of this conversation, your dad was a very driven person. He obviously came into a herd that was well-established, already well-respected, but he didn't rest on his laurels. He was driven to make that herd even better and more renowned. And he did so by traveling extensively with a show string. Some of the shows that he attended, I know you made mention of the Royal Winter Fair and Waterloo. Where else did Crescent Beauty go to establish that winning streak? Waterloo um, and Chicago were the, the, the two big shows that we went to. And Dad was instrumental in starting the black and white show in Wisconsin. And he modeled it after the, the black and white show in uh, program in New York. That was his, Dad was in, in show mode 365 days a year. When you're in the dairy business, 
and and you have you've extended yourself so much into one area in showing cattle. Not everybody in in the Holstein Association has that idea of where the Holstein Association should go. So dad was very show-minded. A lot of the people that were in power in the Holstein Association, they were a little bit more commercial-minded. Dad was a reactionary. He was he he wanted things to say the same. He liked being able to control things as they are. Going forward from the Crescent Beauty that he, he started, he was reluctant to accept modern science and technology. Uh, he continued with his uh, line breeding, and he was he was a little bit slow for that. But he eventually uh, went and bought semen on Osborndale Ivanhoe and uh, Pat Lamar astronauts. So about the time of his death, he was getting more involved into proven bulls, but he was a little bit slow on, on that end of it. And his ideas uh, about breeding cattle were, were not in the mainstream of the, most most people's herds. Uh, most people had started using proven bulls and believe in predictive difference and uh, going forward cow indexes. He was a little bit slow there. So there were some there were some rough spots going forward there too. But back when he was growing up, breeding cattle was more of an art. And he held on to that. He had a lot of respect for the old time breeders, who a lot of them embraced inbreeding and line breeding. And he was slow to give that up. He was very respectful of the, the old time breeders and the old bloodlines. Your dad was like Gene Nelson and Norb Magnuson. They were very involved in the industry and spent their time being involved with the breed associations and helping to develop policies and and best practices that would indeed build value in not just the Holstein breed, but in the dairy cattle business, both in the state of Wisconsin and, and, and built value in U.S. genetics. Can you talk to that a little bit, how your father used his sphere of influence and which organizations he invested his time against, not just World Dairy Expo? Dad was uh, elected to the, to the Holstein Friesen Association Board of Directors in 1970. He worked with other people, AI companies, and leaders of AI AI companies to bridge the gap between people who are more show-minded and the people who are more more aggressive going forward with science technology. I know uh, Dr. Walton uh, paid tribute to my dad, and he says that uh, if Dad hadn't been on the board, there would have been a there would have been a big uh, wedge driven between AI. And, and the show business. Also, Dad, right right when Waterloo stopped, uh, it was not a sure thing once World Area Expo started in 67 that um, it would get the Central National Show designation. And Dad worked really hard on that, getting that Central National Show, because there were other cities in shows in Columbus, Ohio, in Louisville, Kentucky, in Kansas City. They were vying for that Central National designation and if we had not gotten that, it, it was very doubtful if World Dairy Expo would have survived because there were very tough years in the early years of World Dairy Expo. Several people, dad, dad included, um, put their farms, the mortgages, co-signed loans for World Dairy Expo to keep the show going. Uh, so that was a very, very uh, crucial time of the life of World Dairy Expo. So it wasn't just having a good idea. It was continued maintenance and support, too. And your dad continued to draw people in that would make the show what he had envisioned it would be. All these years later, I'm sure he'd be proud to know that the Central National 
hosting show is now the international hosting show and that each and every one of the seven dairy cattle shows, I should say eight with the junior hosting show being included, each of those shows has that international designation and, and we're, we're proud of that. 56 years later, World Dairy Expo is quite healthy. And like you say, it wasn't always that way. It took an awful lot of effort to not just breathe life into the show, but to sustain it early on. Roy, what are your recollections? You were 22 years old. Did your dad and mom ever speak of that in front of you, their concern for the show continuing? Not really. Dad was so, so committed. That was just a given. And he would be so impressed with, with the advances. Uh, he, he wanted he wanted Madison to be like the Royal and like Waterloo. And, and it has gotten way, way past those shows. He, he would be very appreciative of the hundreds, if not thousands of people who have made World Dairy Expo um, what it is today. D- Dad was as good as anybody in Wisconsin at fitting cattle, clipping and uh, preparing cattle for the show. Rodney is uh, a lot better at that sort of thing than I ever was. He's continued to do that. But if Dad was, Dad would tip his hat to people like the the winners of these uh, Klusendorf Awards these past years, uh, the the way these cows coming into the ring and, and looking so natural and so beautiful, he, he would be uh, just wowed at, at, at the, the results of, of recent years here. It's kind of like when our founding fathers of this country wrote the Constitution. It's so ironclad all these years later because a lot of forethought, a lot of foresight went into the creation of that document. I think the same can be said of what your dad envisioned for World Dairy Expo. All these years later, I was looking at some of the materials that were created for that first show in 1967, and I was marveling at the fact that youth were an important part of that show. Your dad and his friends recognized that no business is going to be sustainable if you don't keep having a feeder program, bringing the youth into it. Youth were important. The international crowd was very significant and important to that group of people, as was the dairy show. That was the key reason why they wanted to bring everyone together was it was all about the dairy cow, but also the trade show. Those four elements of the show, along with education, still stand today. And as you pointed to, Roy, it's only grown bigger and better with each passing year. It was grand when it started. The first show that was held in Madison, Wisconsin, was not a couple hundred head that showed up. It was over a thousand had. So when your dad and those three other gentlemen dreamed, they dreamed big. They thought world, not local. And today's show is is definitely that. You talked earlier, Randy's family is engaged in the construction business. I remember going to Fort Atkinson after World Dairy Expo on those dark, usually rainy October days at the close of World Dairy Expo to drop off the headboards from the World Classic String. I used to work for Tom Morris, and that's where the the sail box and the headboards were housed, was at Crescent Beauty. There were no cows in the barn at that time. But as you mentioned, the buildings no longer stand. Randy's family built on top of that property. Can you tell us what stands there now? Rodney's involved with that. I'll let Rodney take over. My my. All three of my older sisters and I are involved now. At the farm now stands a Holiday Inn, a Country Inn and Suites that we all are partners on with some other investors. There's four or five buildings that multi-purpose chains, and then medical Fort Healthcare buildings there and stuff there. And then some of the other land went into housing development, and then we sold 
55 acres of the new high school in late 1990s that the Ford High School was built there as well. And then now recently at Bethany Lutheran, um, like 3K to 8th grade school has been built out there as well. So uh, progress keeps going out there. There's still some more land to be developed, but I mean, uh, it's all been good put to uh, good use by the city of Ford and uh, occupants. But uh, And like you say, the decision when Roy and I decided to quit farming, th that was the, one of the key factors. We couldn't expand where we were at. We had to either go out and buy something different and be big or go on and do other things. And I think looking back, him and I both chose the paths we really enjoyed. So, But we're both still involved in the business one way or the other, and, uh, and our heritage still keeps going deeply involved in the business you are. I've stayed at the Country Inn and Suites that you just made mention of, Rodney, and I think it's it's very appropriate and appreciated that Crescent Beauty, what stood on that hallowed ground is there are photographs and, and things that remind us that this is where Crescent Beauty once stood. And I appreciated that when we stayed at the hotel. So World Dairy Expo, the 56th edition, will be rolling around this fall. How do you think your father would look at it today? Do you believe that we're still building value in dairy cattle genetics? And are we still bringing the world's dairy industry to Madison's doorstep each fall? Absolutely. And and uh, there's been so much uh, water going under the bridge since dad passed away in 1973. I, I, I don't think he would recognize the science and the technology. Who, who could have? With, with with everything that's going on, you've got you've got to keep up with the technology, and it, it certainly has done that. World Dairy Expo, just the the world premiere sale that began when my father was still alive, and look where that's gone now genetically. Who could have ever envisioned that? But uh, uh, it, uh, like I said before, he would tip his hat to the people that that have, that have kept World Dairy Expo uh, on top of the science and technology that's come about about. And also, as, as difficult it is these days uh, to be a dairy farmer, the interest the young people have in, in showing cattle and showing up at Expo every year is just amazing. T to me, I'm sure it would have been amazing to him too, because all the work that involved in, in getting animals to the show and competing, and they do it at such a high level and, they, and with such a great uh, ability uh, it's, it's just amazing that that many people are still coming to Expo and participating and showing in, in all the trade shows and everything else that, that goes goes with it. It's just amazing all the way around. I agree 100% with Ryan. And I think our, our path forward is that the genetics keep improving. Everybody kind of is on the same path. And the genetic base we have now is more of a North American genetic base. It's because if we, we use the same bowls, cross paths, all that. But I think our biggest advancement is keeping the, and we're doing a job because I try and do as much as I can with the youth. And so is my, so, so Kate and I travel, we work with as many 4-H kids around the country as we can. Uh, I live in Florida in the wintertime. We work with the 4-Hers down there, but I think, and, and now they're coming up here and showing, they're exhibiting at Madison. They're, they're, the, the enthusiasm and, and parents are so happy to have kids interested in the agriculture. They're willing to go out and find them good ones to work with because uh, it keeps them out of all the other stuff in this world right now that's not good. And I think uh, that's, the, that's the biggest benefit I think we've got going right now is, is, is this generation I'm part of is make sure we keep the youth coming on as well. We remember your father, Alan Hetz, our founding father of World Dairy Expo. And I think it's appropriate, too, that the Alan Hetz Memorial Trophy that's awarded the Supreme Champion is one of the tallest trophies, if not the tallest trophy awarded in the dairy 
show business. Is that correct? Yes, especially the early years. Um, actually, uh, the trophies have gotten a little bit shorter. The very first, well, not the very, yeah, the very first one that was given to was for Balin Crescent Char Charmaine, which it wasn't a national show. And like you had you had mentioned that uh, that 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 very first show, uh, the number of cattle that that came and everybody supported it. We bought. We, we probably had 18 head of cattle there and we could we could have bought maybe eight or 10 cattle. But at that point, we were just filling in the classes and, and supporting and trying to keep the show going forward. Now, nowadays, if you haven't got one of the very best in your state, you don't even show up at Expo. It's completely, completely different. But uh, yeah, the, 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 no, the trophy that Felicia May got uh, in 1974 was the tallest uh uh, it's on display at, at the Dairy Shrine, and it was meant to be the tallest one ever. But they've they've come down to a little bit more reasonable size now, but they're still very, very beautiful and impressive. Again, a fitting tribute to a man who, who was a big thinker. It's only fitting that we award a big trophy. We celebrate the dairy dynasty that your father built, and we applaud the continued contributions that the Hetz family makes to building value in U.S. dairy genetics and bringing people globally to Madison, Wisconsin each fall. You made mention, both of you, Roy and Rodney, that the show has kept pace with technology and with science that your dad would, would probably be marveling at today if he were able to join us at the show. I think one of the things he might be marveling at is that he would have to enter the show using his smartphone. I just wanted to point that out to listeners today, too, that World Dairy Expo has joined the 21st and a half century, and we don't issue paper tickets or even the plastic season passes anymore. Everything is done on a smartphone, or you can print your tickets at home and bring them to the show. But just wanted to remind listeners that tickets are on sale at www.worlddairyexpo.com. Be sure to purchase your tickets in advance and join us October 1 through 6 in Madison, Wisconsin for the 56th edition of World Dairy Expo. Rodney and Roy Hetz, it's been a pleasure visiting with you today about your father, Alan Hetz. We look forward to seeing you in Madison, Wisconsin this fall. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The Dairy Show. We hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget to hit like and subscribe wherever you are listening to us today. And of course, don't forget to tell your friends about how much you are enjoying The Dairy Show. We would love to have them join us as well. And last but not least, if you have any comments for us, send us an email at wde at wdexpo.com. We would love to hear from you. 